morning. Welcome to Let's Do Lunch. Uh, my name is Inez. I'm your host, and today we do not have a guest, so you will be my guest today. Uh, our topic will be on drinking. It will be what the Bible says about drinking, who should drink, and who should not drink, and why they should and why they shouldn't. Um, it tells us in Proverbs 21 that wine is a mocker and strong drink raging. But then in Psalm 104.15, it says, Why makes glad the heart? So let's look at some scriptures and see um, what's going on. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23.19-20 says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thy heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers. And wine-bibber is someone who's intoxicated. So just from that, we know that if you're not wise, you can go ahead to drink. Um, it says in Proverbs 31, 6, Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. So those who are ready to perish, it sounds like you can drink. And wine drink unto those that be of a heavy heart, or the New Living Translation says, in bitter distress. So it says, let them forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So if you have a heavy heart, it sounds like you're, you're good to go with the drinking. It says in 1 Timothy 5.23, uh, Paul is talking to them, Timothy, and he says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your often infirmities. Um, the New Living, the Message Bible says, in any event, keep a close check on yourself and do not worry too much about what the critics will say. Go ahead and drink a little wine. It is good for your digestion, good medicine for what ails you. So I guess we take cough syrup, so if your stomach hurts, but it's not just a stomach ache. Um, it's obvious in the text that uh, his stomach was hurting due to um, the water. And Paul, so Paul appears, Paul tells him to drink a little wine. Um, Hippocrates, uh, he was a well-known physician. He was also known as the father of medicine in the 4th and 5th century. And he wrote, it is known that the water of the ancient world is contaminated contaminated, I'm sorry, and it um, contains harmful bacteria that could produce illness. So when Paul writes this letter, Timothy is in Ephesus. Ephesus was an ancient decaying city whose harbor was creating sewage problems that poisoned the underground supply. Fermented wine of the ancient biblical times was often used for such illness as alcohol would prevent dysentery and destroy the bacteria and harmful pathogens in the water. This, this remedy was widely recognized at the time of Hippocrates. Um, so anyway, so in other words, if your stomach is hurting due to contaminated water, it sounds like it is okay to drink this fermented alcohol Fermented wine, which is the wine that contains the alcohol. In First Samuel one twelve through sixteen, it uh, this is the story of Samuel's mother, 
um, her name was Hannah, and um, it says, it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli mocked, mocked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she had spoken her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk? Put away this wine from you. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine or strong drink, but my, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count that not thy handmaid for the daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. So, those who are the children of Belial apparently can drink because she's saying, don't act like I'm one of them. Um, Belial happens to mean uh, without profit, worthless, destruction, ungodly, wicked, or failure. So, let's recap. Those who it sounds like can drink are those who are unwise, those who are ready to perish, those who have a heavy heart with or in bitter distress, and those who are children of Belial. So any child of Belial can drink. And if your stomach hurts due to contaminated water. Now, who should not drink? First Timothy 3, 1 through 3 says, This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop or elder then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy of filthy lucre. Titus 1.7 also says that for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, nor a striker, nor given to filthy lucre, which is money. Anyway, so those who want to be a bishop or elder in the church should not drink. 1 Timothy 3.8 reads, Likewise, the deacons, which is a Christian teacher, pastor, minister, or servant, must be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not guilty, of guilty, not greedy of filthy lucre. But this given to wine, um, whereas the one that is talking about the deacon, I just want to go back a minute. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. When it's talking about the bishop, it says not given to wine. That given means don't even, it's saying staying near or in the vicinity of. So don't even go near it or get into the vicinity of the wine. So those who desire to be a deacon in the church should not drink. Proverbs 21 tells us that wine's a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23, 19 through 20 says, Hear thou my son, and be wise, guide thy heart in the way, be not among the wine. So those who are wise should not drink. Proverbs 20, 31, 4 and 5 says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor prince strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So it's not for kings or princes to drink. So let's recap. Oh, no, it's also, here's another one. It's not for priests. Um, in Isaiah 28, 7, it says, but they also err, meaning they to stray or be misled through wine or strong drink. They are out of the way. The priests and the prophets have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. 
they are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision and stumble in judgment. So, recapping, bishop, bishops are told not to drink. Deacons are told not to drink. The wise are told not to drink. Kings and princes are told not to drink. Priests and prophets are told not to drink. Proverbs 23, 29 in the New Living Translation, I'm sorry, I have lots of translations, says, who has anguish, who has sorrow, who is always fighting, who is always complaining, who has unnecessary bruises, who has bloodshot eyes? It is he who spends long hours in taverns trying out new drinks. Don't gaze on the wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down, for in the end it bites like a poisonous snake, it stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. When it says look not on the wine, that means don't approve it, don't consider it. Um, and when it says it stings, it says sting means to separate. So, let's find out what happens to these deacons, priests, wise men, kings, prince, prophets, and priests who do drink. I read this one already in Isaiah 23, 7, where it says they err through strong drink. They are also told that they will not inherit, they may not inherit the kingdom of God. First uh, Corinthians 6, 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Their hearts can be turned away from the Lord. These are the priests, the prophets, the deacons, the bishops, and the wise when they drink. Their hearts can be turned away from the Lord. Hosea 4.11 says, Fordham and wine and new wine take away the heart. They can become transgressors. Transgressors. Habakkuk 2.5. Yea, also because... He transgressed by wine. And it's interesting that this word transgress means to be unfaithful. And the verse right before this says that the just shall live by their faithfulness to God. Isaiah 5, 22 and through 24 says, Woe to or what sorrow awaits them that are mighty, powerful, valiant men, warriors to drink wine and men of strength. Uh, and of valor to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, the fire devoured the, as the fire devours the stubble, and the flame consumes the chaff. So their roots shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up like dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. And despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. They can also be destroyed. So Proverbs 31 3 says, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink strong drink wine or princes strong drink. The new living living translation says woe or what sorrow awaits those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold who then are these kings priests prophets uh, bishops deacons um they're christians and they're their children 
Uh, Isaiah 66, 21, 22 says, God says, and I will also take them for priests and Levites, saith the Lord. For as the new heaven and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Isaiah 61, 6, but ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. Ye shall eat riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory they shall bore, in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. First Peter two five says, Ye are also a lively stone. You are also you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Revelations 1, 5 through 6 says, And Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten from of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and have made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. Revelations 5, 9 through 10. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation and have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Samuel's, uh, Samson's mother was told not to drink wine when she was carrying Samson. Judges 13, 1 through 4. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art, thou art barren and bearest not, but behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. But he said to me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bury son, and drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Nazarite means to separate as a prince, and our life is separate. Our life is consecrated and separated unto God. Uh, John the Baptist in Luke 1, 13 through 15, it reads, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, that's John's dad, for the prayer your prayers heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Why were these men protected from the wine and the strong drink? Because they were chosen by God and had a purpose. Who else are the chosen? Those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But you notice that it was wine and alcohol that he was saying to stay away from. Um, we're told to desire the sincere milk of the word. Um, at John, uh, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. 
And here's a prophecy, Isaiah 7, 15. It's about talking about Jesus. It says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he, she shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. And choose the good. This word butter means to join or to put a wall of, to be put as a wall of protection or walls. And honey is the gummy substance, which means stickiness. So this butter joins, the honey keeps us. Whereas in Proverbs 23, when it says, don't look on the wine because it stings, which means separate. Proverbs 24, 13, 14, my son, eat thou honey. Because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul when thou hast found it. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. I'm not saying that honey is bringing this wisdom. I'm saying, I mean, this knowledge or wisdom is saying that this knowledge and wisdom will be as the honey, which is good. Anyway, throughout the Old Testament, it talks about God's promise to Abraham's descendants being in a land flowing, giving them a land flowing with milk and honey. I have, I'm not going to read these scriptures, but Exodus 3, 8, 3, 17, 13, 5, 13, 27, 33, 3, 20, 24, 14, 8, 16, 13 through 14, Deuteronomy 6, 3, and Deuteronomy 11, uh, 29, and Deuteronomy 26, 9. These are just a few. It's constantly talking about him giving us a land flowing with milk and honey. 1 Samuel 14, 27. This is another reference to the honey. And uh, anyway, but Jonathan, who was Saul's son, heard not when his father had charged the people with an oath. He had told everyone not to eat anything. They went on like an emergency fast. Wherefore, he put forth the end of his rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb. And he took it, and his eyes were enlightened. Psalm 19.8 says, The statue of the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. This is the same enlightened that Samuel took, Jonathan took when he partook of that honey. So this word for us is our life. This is our dream. Christ's blood's is now said to be the drink for us, for Christians. In Matthew 26, 27, and he took of the cup and he gave thanks. He gave it to them and he said, drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of their sins. This is now actually our Holy Communion meal. Jesus also told his disciples in the next verse that he was going to go away and no longer drink the fruit of the vine with them until he drinks it new with them in, their father's, in his father's kingdom. Matthew 26, 29, but I say unto you, I will drink henceforth no more of the fruit of the vine until I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Joel 3, 18 says, and it shall come to pass in the day that the mountain of the, the mountains shall drop down new wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with water and a fountain shall come forth out of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. Acts 10, 43. In 41, 
him God raised from the up the third day and showed him openly. This is just letting them know that they did eat and drink with Jesus because he said he wouldn't until he uh, would drink it with them in the new in the kingdom. Um, this is uh, it says him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even unto us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Here's where it's recorded that they drank this new wine in Acts 2, 1 through 18. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? How do we hear every man in his own tongue, speaking in his own tongue uh, wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Philistia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and all parts of Libya, and Cyrene, and strangers in Rome, Jews, proselytes, Greeks, Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What does this mean? Others mocking them said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all the dwellers at Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose. They were drunk all right in the Holy Spirit, but they weren't drunk like you think saying it is the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, saying, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servant and on my handmaids, I will pour out my, in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. They were indeed full of new wine. There is a drink for the world, and there's a drink for Christians, a spiritual drink that we're told to partake of without costing it any money. So who wants the drink? Uh, so who drinks for thirst? God quenches thirst. Isaiah 55, one New Living Translation says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you don't have money, come. Have your choice of milk or wine or milk. It is all free. Why spend your money for food that does not give you strength? And why pay for food that does not does you no good? You shall enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open and listen, and you will find life. This food is in listening and hearing this word. This drink is in listening and hearing this word. Isaiah 44, 1 through 3, New Living Translation said, But, but, but now listen to me, Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one. The Lord who made you and helps you says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, or dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out waters to you and quench your thirst. Psalm 46, 3 
through three and four. Though the, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Isaiah 41, 17, 18. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them and I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and dry land springs of water. Isaiah 49, 10. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that have mercy on them shall lead them even by strings of water shall he guide them so if you're thirsty god has that covered so are you guys are are those who are drinking drinking for pleasure psalm 16 11 especially if you're a christian uh says to us thou wilt show me the path of life in my presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore so are you drinking for stomach ache or often infirmities? Well, John 7, 31 says, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He also told the woman at the well in John 4, 10 to 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that said unto thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest ask him, and he would give you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our fathers, our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Jesus said unto them, this is when, um, this is not in the same contents with the water at the woman at the well. This is another one, John 6, 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall not, never thirst. John 6, 53 through 55 said, uh, reads, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Um, John 4.34. Let me get another drink of water here. Me. John 4:34 says, "My meat is to do the will of the Father, and to finish His work. His meat is to do that. His flesh is meat. Our meat is to do the will of His Father. Uh, and His flesh is the Word of God." John 1:1 1, 1 says, "In the beginning was the Word of God. And the Word was the Word was with God. The Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. Uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." His word is his flesh, his flesh. Okay, so let's say if you have a heavy heart or you're in bitter distress, Jesus said, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you ready to perish? It's written in John three sixteen that God said, 
he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's a drink for Christians and there's a drink for those who are in the world. Could it be that some of us Christians, some of us who claim God as our father, are drinking from the wrong well? Or could it be that they don't even know that there's a different well that we're supposed to drink from? So I guess the question isn't what you're, what's going on with you. The question should be, who are you or whose are you? Or do you even know? Are you a prince, a king, a priest, a prophet, a deacon, a bishop, wise? If you belong to Christ, you are. Number six, one says, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, and saying to them, either, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine, strong drink. He should drink no vinegar, no wine, or of no wine, vinegar of wine, or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried all the days of his separation, and shall eat nothing that is made of the vine. This is the fermented wine he's, that's spoken of here, the wine that has turned to alcohol. A Nazarite is someone who separates themselves, that is consecrated, set apart. Is that not the life of a Christian? See, Daniel, he got it. Daniel got it. He knew exactly what was going on, who he was, whose he was. Uh, Daniel 1, 8 through 12 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. The wine of the king represents the world. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. The prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, um, who hath appointed you meat and your drink. For why should I see your faces worse likened to the children of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head unto the king. Then Daniel said to Malzar, whom the prince of the eunuch had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And to make a long story short, they ended up looking healthier than those who had drank of the king's wine and food that the king had. And then Melzar ended up only giving Daniel and his friends the pulse and the water because he saw that it they did not defile themselves with the king's meat or wine. Now, this is even more interesting. Interesting. The Rechabites, not only did they get it, they feared their father and they obeyed. Jeremiah 25, 1 through 19 says, the word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Hang on. <coughs> <coughs> this right <clears throat> okay 
the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Abazaniah, and his brother, and all the sons of the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord and into the chamber of the son of Hanan, Hanan the son of Agdalia, the, the man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shelion, the keeper of the door. And I set before the son of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink ye wine. But they said to me, I will not drink, we will not drink wine. But Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. Neither shall ye build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyards, nor have any, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye are strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days. We are wives, our sons, or our daughters. Nor have we built houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyards, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according to all that John Darab, our father, commanded us. Verse 11. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, came up into the land that he said, Come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that, that he commanded his sons to drink no wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but they obey the voice of their father. They obey the, their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken to you, rising up early and speaking, but ye hearken not to me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and, and amend your doings. And go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ears, nor hearkened unto me. Because the son of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their fathers, which he commanded them, but the people have not hearkened to me. Therefore saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab of your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. So the Rechabites actually means like they believe in the simple life. But Jonadab, their father, 
name, I looked it up. It means Jehovah, the self-existing one, to exist, to become, to come to pass, to breathe, to be, hence to volunteer as a soldier to prevent, to be present, to offer freely, to offer self-willingly. Jesus offers himself. He said that no one takes my life, I lay it down. God says, um, who is Jehovah but our Father? So, how did how did they get that? Because he told Moses in Deuteronomy 29, 5 through 6, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing, have not waxed old upon you, and thy shoes have not waxed old upon your thy foot. You have not drank wine, nor strong drink, or alcoholic beverages, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> Proverbs 31 4 says, This is another one that blew my mind. <clears throat> Proverbs 31 4 says, It is not for kings, Olemio. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor prince strong drink. These say drink and forget the law and pervert the, ju- pervert the judgment of the afflicted. This word, Lemio, means belonging to God, for God, the Almighty. So what she's saying, it is not for it is not for kings, those who belong to God. It is not for for kings. Uh, you belong to God. It is not for you. You belong to the Almighty to drink this wine. So the question, I guess, is who's your daddy? Because the Rechabites got it. In Proverbs, she's telling her son, to Lemuel, those who belong to God, it's not for you. You're a king. It's not for you to be drinking this wine. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So with these scriptures, you should know who should drink and who should not drink, who is wise and who is not wise, You, unless you're claiming yourself to not be wise, unless you're claiming yourself to not belong to the Most High God, uh, the scriptures, these scriptures are clear. So let me just read this um, last thing about the wine in the Bible, how fermentation was prevented. Wine in the Bible is spoken of as a blessing in its unfermented state and as an intoxicant in its fermented state. Many do not realize that these living in the biblical days were able to keep their wine from fermenting and, in fact, did so regularly. How did they accomplish this in the age without refrigerators? Well, there were three primary methods. First, they boiled boiled their wine down to thick syrup, boiling the grape boiling. Grape juice causes the water to evaporate, leaving behind a concentrate with such a high level of sugar that fermentation was impossible. Syrup in this state could be preserved for years. Whenever they wanted to drink this um, unfermented wine, they would just mix a small amount of this syrup with water, much like we do with Kool-Aid. And different ratios were used depending on what type of grape they used. The temperature of the water and the season. So that determined how 
much they mix with the Kool-Aid. Proverbs 9, 1 through 5 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the top of the heights of the city. Whosoever is naive, let him turn in here. He who lacks understanding, she says, come eat of my food and drink my wine. I have mixed. The above verse refers to the mixing of wine known as wisdom. Mixing of wine as wisdom. Whereas Proverbs 21 refers to a person being intoxicated by this wine, their wine that they're not wise. The contrast is clear. Boiling grape juice to prevent it from fermenting and then mixing it with water to enjoy as a beverage is incumbent of wisdom and was a blessing from God. The wine in a cardia was so thick that it was necessary to scrape it from the skin bottles in which it was contained and dissolve the scrapings into water. And it was said that there was no sweeter, no wine sweeter to drink than this. It was like nectar and would not produce intoxication. Okay. Second, those living in biblical times had developed methods of, to filter wine and to remove its strength. While pressing out the grapes, they would use a bag called seco. They captured the fermentable substance and allowed the juice from the pulp to flow through and then collect it in the vase below the bag. Several historians mention this method as being used during the biblical times, as well as the fact that one of the primary reasons they did this was because unfermented wine tasted better. The most useful wine, uh, no, unfermented wine tasted better. Wine is when rendered feeble in strength when it is frequently filtered. The strength or spirit thus being excluded. Uh, the wine neither inflames the brain nor infests the mind and poisons and is much more pleasant to drink. This is the testimony of two non-Christian Gentiles confirming that filtration causes wine to taste better because its strength is removed. But they are merely confirming what we already know. Beverages like grape juice being fermented when they are going bad, not when they are getting better. Alcoholic beverages are an acquired taste purely for the effects to produce that it produced in the body by the alcohol and not because of the good taste. Third, they were able to refrigerate and seal this wine. Grape juice kept at 45 degrees or less cannot ferment. If it is kept cool long enough, the yeast settles to the bottom and the juice can be skimmed off the top where it can never ferment ever, even if it's warm. We know from archaeology that they stored this kind of wine in caves underwater and in the ground where it was cooler. So even without refrigeration, they still had the means to keep the wine cool. They also kept their containers airtight by corking the bottles and sealing them with pitch. The juice also poured olive oil on top to seal the juice, seal, 
to seal the Jews from the air. In 1960, there was a sunken ship that it was discovered at the bottom of the Mediterranean that contained um, containers of wine dating back to the Roman Empire. The containers were sealed so well that the water from the sea had not penetrated them. With multiple ways of preventing fermentation, this is further proof that wine of biblical times was not necessarily alcoholic, but could easily be preserved and enjoyed as a refreshing alternative to water and a blessing from God that provides joy, not intoxication. So what about Jesus? He drank. So because Jesus drank, is this why you justify why you drink? He also preached the gospel. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. Are you following everything he did or just this one thing? Are you drinking with others to win people to Christ? Jesus was wise as a serpent. He told us to be wise as a serpent and harmless as dove. He never refused an offer to dinner because he was on a mission. He was there for a purpose to accept all who called upon him. His purpose was to find the lost sheep of Israel. He was meeting people where they were. Are you called to go out into the bars and drink with, with these unbelievers for this reason? Is it the wine in the bars? Uh, are, is the wine in the bars unfermented? At the time Jesus was drinking, the wine was not fermented. It was unfermented. Uh, Luke 10, 8 through 9, I'm not saying they didn't have some, but Jesus, anyway, in Luke 8, 9, uh, it says, And enter whosoever city you, whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God is nigh you. So Jesus did just that. And in Matthew eleven eighteen 18 through 19, uh, Jesus is talking and he says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say that he has a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say he, has a, he is a, a, wine, a gluttonous and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified to her children. Jesus said, or in other words, in a different translation, uh, it's the proof, the proof of wisdom is in the actions it produced. And he did not have to explain himself to anyone. Therefore, he said that wisdom is justified for the children, by her children. If Jesus himself tells us not to drink, and he is the word made flesh, do you think that he drinks fermented wine when it clearly says not to? No, it was not fermented. And when he says, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, it's funny because I was thinking earlier uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about don't drink the blood, pour it out because it's um, uh, the life is in the blood. Jesus is saying, eat everything. So if you get a piece of meat and it's got some blood on it, he's just saying, eat everything. And that's what he's saying about his flesh. Um. We also are called the vineyard of the Lord. Psalm 80, 14 to 15. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold, and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand, hand has planted, the branch that thou made is strong for thyself. Isaiah 5, 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his, his pleasant plant. Why would God himself refer to his people as this beautiful vineyard 
if it was harmful, it is because we are talking about the beauty of the wine in its unfermented state, the wine that makes glad the heart. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. I hope you join me next time. I don't know when, but I hope you join me next time. And um, when we get together, let's do lunch again as we get into this word and feed on the word of God. God bless you.